Ontario high school students, as well as college and university, will have to participate in work co-ops. That's if the Ontario government keeps its promise to implement recommendations from a panel of experts. Uh, One of the people on that panel, Sean Conway, is with us, public policy advisor for Gowling WLG and former education minister for Ontario, and with us now. Good afternoon, Sean. How are you today? Very well, Scott. How are things in Hamilton? Good. Thanks for taking the time. We appreciate this. Why why are co-op opportunities good for our kids, specifically high school kids? Well, specifically because they give a a better opportunity or an enhanced opportunity for young people to uh, both understand the the changing nature of the the workplace and the skills that are required for uh, successful employment looking forward from 2016, and also help young people understand why they might want to stay in that math class or take a coding course or take some additional science credits or understand a second language, because uh, it's only when, and we've all I think been there in various ways, shapes, and forms, that when we have a, a very good hands-on experience with a job that we might be interested in or an area of, of, of future employment that might tr- appeal to us, that we can understand what it feels like and what is required to actually seize that opportunity at full sale. What type of industry are we looking at? All different types? Uh, skill? Across the board. Mm-hmm. Across the board. And let me be clear, 30 years ago, I was an education minister in Ontario, and at that time, uh, we certainly, in the Peterson government, expanded the... Uh, co-op uh, opportunities in uh, at the high school level, and that program has been supported and, and I believe enhanced by successive governments since I left Queen's Park about 15 years ago. We know uh, from everything we heard in this panel that I was chairing has been out uh, listening to people. We had a wonderful day in Hamilton a few months ago where we met the uh, Mayor's Blue Ribbon panel, bringing together people from business, from education, from labor, and from community groups, and we heard in Hamilton what we heard elsewhere, that uh, so-called experiential learning. They're not just co-op placements, but they can be internships, they can be mentorships, it can be volunteer commitments in areas where students might have an interest and the community sees an opportunity. Uh, We were told by just about everybody that few things are as beneficial in helping people, young and older people coming back into the workforce, on what the uh, the needs of a particular job are and how they map up against uh, the kind of education and training ingredients that are required to get and keep that job. How do you make these valuable experiences? How, how do you make sure that the kid gets something out of this as opposed to getting coffee or just, you know, sweeping floors? Well, and that's a very good point, Scott. And one of the things we did here, and we've made plain in our report, that it's not just creating uh, the opportunity for a person to come and have, quote, experiential learning. That is learning by doing. Uh, but it does matter what the employer puts into uh, the, uh, the placement by way of uh, time and attention and and a quality experience. We have been told that if that's not done, then the program is not as successful as it would otherwise be. What What does the employer get out of this? Well, the employers tell us that they're looking for people, and uh, and the successful employers tell us that some of the best people they've been able to recruit are people that they met in in in, um, in co-op placements and in internships, and that certainly was my experience. I was uh, uh, for 30 years almost a member of the legislature. I was always hiring, particularly young people out of college, out of high school, out of university, and I can tell you that almost without fail, uh, it was enormously beneficial to me as as an employer and. Quite 
quite frankly, I found that young people uh, would use an opportunity like that to, to make their way into uh, areas like the public service uh, or a, a variety of other um, employment opportunities that they would experience by being in an MP's office uh, almost as a, like a carousel that just simply exposed them to things that otherwise they would not have had a chance to, to see, touch, feel, and experience. How will this roll out for industry? How do you, uh, because it sounds great, but at the end of the day, you've got a business that's working there. Uh, How do you get them to participate? Well, there's a couple of things I think that I want to say. This is going to be, uh, the panel has made it recommendations to the government. I want to be clear that we were struck by Premier Wynne as a panel last September uh, and told to go out and uh, to listen carefully, to travel as widely as we could, and to make specific recommendations as to how we could better align the Ontario labor force of the future faced with the kind of technological challenge and demographic change. Remember, Scott, there are a lot of older people People now are retiring the workforce. The so-called baby boom is a very large uh, part of the current workforce, and it is starting to retire in significant numbers. So, uh, first of all, uh, we we have very good uh, practices in Ontario uh, of, of employers who do this very well. And quite frankly, what the panel has said, we just simply we know it works, and we know what the ingredients of success are. We just simply have to increase the participation rate. Business, employers uh, tell us that they're very, very keen uh, to get good people. Well, quite frankly, just as though you were running the local hockey or kids' baseball or soccer team, you've got to invest in human capital as you invest in other capital. And uh, we are recommending as a panel that communities strike very strong, effective, very focused business education partnerships that will work in communities like Hamilton and Ottawa and elsewhere to uh, best align uh, educational institutions, young people and older learners with, uh, with these opportunities that uh, can, we believe, be identified uh, in this fashion in the community. The great success in Ontario, of course, is the University of Waterloo. And let me tell you, that program is almost 60 years old now, and uh, it has been refined and improved and expanded and deepened over time. We know how to do this. We simply have to do more of it because... Everyone told us that this is a critical part of getting both the the quality and the range of talent that we need to fill uh, the the, the good jobs here in Ontario today, many of which are are going without uh, sufficient uh, number of applicants. Is this mostly skilled labor sort of jobs? Well, it's partly that. There's no question. I mean, we were told, uh, Scott, that uh, you know the technical literacies of the of the workplace are rising in a very predictable and rapid fashion. But think about the. the I mentioned earlier, um, you know, the baby boomers. We are heading into a period of time when the number of people over 65 in in Canada is going to double over the next 25 years. There's going to be huge opportunities in the healthcare space. And remember, baby boomers, and I'm one of them. We've basically changed just about every act. Activity that uh, that we've touched over the course of our lifetime, and we think there's going to be tremendous opportunity in the healthcare space, not just delivering traditional programs, and not just in healthcare, but in related, you know, recreational and housing and such areas. Um, this is uh, is going to be uh, applying to uh, the economy right across the Ontario and Canadian waterfront. Quick statistic: the fa- two two statistics that your listeners might find interesting. The best evidence suggests that Ontario's labor force growth over the next 
20 years or thereabouts will be almost entirely a function of immigration. I repeat, almost all the net growth of the Ontario labor force is going to be fueled by immigration. So we better get that right uh, if we're going to meet the, uh, the opportunity because we've got an older population that's retiring in greater numbers. We've got a birth rate now in Ontario and Canada that's below the replacement level, and uh, we have to bridge that gap. And another example would be the fastest-growing population of, uh, of uh, the fastest population growth in Canada today are young Aboriginals. And people like young Aboriginals expect to be incorporated into the economic opportunities of 2016 looking forward. And that's an exciting and I think a very attractive possibility across the province, but particularly in places like northwestern Ontario and certainly here in places like the city of Toronto where there are tens of thousands of, of Aboriginal Canadians uh, uh, living. How do, you how do you standardize this experiment, this experience, and yet personalize it so enough so the student gets something out of it? Well, there's, that's going to be the responsibility of the, the business education um, partnership table that's going to drive this, and they're going to be supported, hopefully, uh, by a workforce development office housed in the Ontario Ministry of, of uh, Advanced Education and very strongly supported by communities. And let me, we were very impressed when we were in Hamilton a couple of months ago to see the work being done by uh, Mayor Eisenberger's Blue Ribbon Task Force on Workforce Development. This is not going to happen. We're not going to achieve success if, in fact, we do not have community leadership, community investment, and community champions, not just in business, not just at City Hall, but also in labor and in other parts of the the community. This has got to be uh, a a multi-pronged effort, and the government acting alone without community committed community support from, as I say, business educators and labor, uh, we're not going to meet the success that we, I think, would otherwise achieve. So what are we looking at here, Sean, as far as what the average student would do over the course of their, say, high school career? Has that been has that been figured out yet? Is there a well, template for this yet? Well, it is to this extent. We're just simply saying that, that the province, we're recommending to the province uh, that as a, as, a, as a goal, that no one should graduate from high school without having having had at least one experiential learning opportunity before that graduation. And similarly, you shouldn't be graduating from a post-secondary college or university program without a similar um, experiential learning opportunity, just because of the the great benefits it provides to the student, uh, to the employer, and quite frankly, to the community and to the the business world. Uh, And uh, we are going to leave the, um, uh, the particular details of that to um, to particularly planning bodies that are going to drive this. We've recommended some specific things. But I repeat, this is not new. We are already doing this with very good results in many places. We just need to improve our batting average. We just simply have to get more people uh, exposed to this opportunity. I know that you're still at the early stages with this, but are we looking at, say, a, a duration of a day, a couple of days, a week, a month? Well, experiential learning comes in a variety of of, uh, forms, but typically it would be for longer than a day. And again, you might want to communicate with some of your local educators, because I tell you, we heard some very interesting things in Hamilton about what what business and educational institutions were doing. Uh, In fact, one of the the other recommendations is uh, in our report is that we heard a lot of uh, very positive uh, recommendation around expanding and lengthening the period of time uh, for 
for these placements because the uh, the experience is is as positive as, as it is. And and beyond that, it'll be left to the government to decide how they want to particularly proceed with implementing uh, these recommendations and in whatever order. The panel was asked to go out to, to consult, to listen, to recommend. We did that over the course of six or seven months. We tabled our report uh, with the Premier last Thursday in London and the Minister, Minister Matthews at Advanced Education. It's now in the government's hands. But we feel quite encouraged, and certainly both the Minister and the premier were uh, quite um, positive in their original uh, their initial um, comments last last Thursday. Uh, anytime you start to make recommendations or change curriculum, uh, parents always seem to take note as they should, I guess, and some supportive, some not so. Um, you, you know, we see this with things like uh, physical education, gym, that sort of thing, moved out of the way for academics. How about parents on this? Uh, class time is very val- valuable. Are they going to want uh, their kids taken out of a class and put in a work environment? Well, but, but, the, but the work environment, uh, you've got to think of experiential learning as really part of the extended classroom. How many of us who are now gainfully employed today can look back and see uh, and remember and experience whether it was working uh, in a radio station, whether it was working on a newspaper, whether it was working in a plant, whether it was doing voluntary work, volunteer work at the hospital, uh, or a variety of other things, could now say uh, that that was absolutely um, uh, um, critical to focusing our thoughts about where we would like to go in terms of our work career. I, I know it happened to me, and, and this comes in a variety of shapes and sizes, parents, uh, I think there is some work to be done with uh, with parents because, quite frankly, I think uh, you know one of the other things we were told is that the some of the traditional jobs that have historically looked very attractive, quite frankly, technology is eroding the number of those opportunities and creating new ones. Parents um, need to understand where the where the flood tide of opportunity is taking us and what that change means for some of the traditional jobs that, quite frankly, are not going to be as plentiful as uh, as they once were. I'll use an example. You would have seen in the last couple of weeks Canadian banks reporting that something like a vast majority now of financial transactions in the country are done digitally. That is having an effect on the 400,000 jobs in the financial services in Ontario. And that some of those traditional jobs are going to transform into new jobs uh, that in many cases are going to require slightly different skills than the ones you would have required to have been working in a bank in Hamilton or Ancaster or Dundas uh, just 10, 15 years ago. You talked about industry uh, and obviously what's in it for them. Uh, they get a peek at, at employees that are coming through, get to... Uh you know, uh, uh, show them what they have to offer future employees. What about unions? Are they on board with this sort of thing? Well, we met with labor, and certainly labor is a very important part of this, and certainly they, uh, we had a very good meeting with the Ontario Federation of Labor. We've met with other labor groups, and uh, certainly uh, we felt very encouraged by what we heard. Clearly there are going to be issues, and I, I like to remind people that when the University of Waterloo began its uh, very long and creative 
creative march down the pathway of cooperative education, I can tell you, 50, 60 years ago, there were people who thought this was madness. Hmm. Well, they don't think it's madness now. And, uh, and the other issue here is that, uh, you know, we're not just faced with the pressures of labor force development, but our neighbors to the south, there are millions of high-end jobs in the United States that are going to come open, and we've got to make sure that we are ahead of this curve, or we're going to find the Americans coming up here and not just, uh, you know, grabbing the talent coming out of Mohawk and McMaster and Waterloo, but they're going to be poaching other people just simply because uh, they have, by, the, by one report recently, something like five million high-end jobs for whom they just don't have people. Will this be an easy program to run? How difficult would this be to administer? Well, this is going to be as easy and as successful as communities decide to make it. And I'm quite encouraged that Ontarians recognizing the opportunity here uh, for not just young people, but for community and local businesses, uh, will be able to make the adjustments. There, there will be some, there will be some um, transitional issues for people that have not been as involved in this as, as others. And again, we're not talking about reinventing the wheel. I was an education minister 30 years ago, and I look back at that landscape. I, some, I see some people who have some time ago embraced this, have very strong local partnership agreements with business, labor, and educational institutions. And you know what? In the main, uh, they're doing very well. I see some other communities that have got to play catch up. Uh, you talked about uh, uh, consulting with industry and, and, and such and, and trying to find out where the holes are and where we need to be directing uh, young people when it comes to things like uh, employment. What sort of advice can you give parents when they're trying to direct their kid down the right path? Well, I think, again, one of the other things we heard is that we've got to do a better job of, of counseling. And we've to, to counsel uh, both young people and their parents, we've got to have better labor market information. I have to say the panel was very direct and not particularly... Um, um, What's the polite word? We weren't entirely impressed by the state of labor market information in Ontario and Canada. We need better data. We heard in a number of places communities saying, we're flying blind. We need to have clearer, better, more locally uh, understandable information about the employment pull of this region, whether it's Hamilton or Ottawa or Thunder Bay. What does the data tell us as to where the opportunity is going to be in five years or three years or ten years? There's been a criticism that too much of our focus and our effort is on the supply side, and we don't know enough about where the labor market demand is taking people, particularly at the local and regional or sectoral level. And so we have to get that data. We have to have good partnerships at the local and regional level. And quite frankly, we need to have some very good conversations with all the key players, including parents, saying, here's the opportunity. And uh, to, to seize this opportunity, we were in places, I, we were in Hamilton, we were certainly up in Simcoe County. We, I, I personally was down in the Kingston area, and we were told by manufacturers that there are, uh, because of both the retirement of older people now in greater numbers than we've seen recently, and some uh, some uptick in the manufacturing sector, we've got hundreds and thousands of jobs that we're, we're not able to find. And it's not clear that people at the local or community level understood the nature of the opportunity going forward forward in Barrow.
Barry, Orillia, Hamilton, Belleville, and that uh, it's hard it's hard to uh, to fly blind and know exactly where you want to end up. The other thing I want to say about experiential learning, the Business Council of Canada, Scott, told us that the, uh, the these this is a council that represents the big employers in Canada. They were saying that the hard skills, uh, the specific skills, are not their concern. They're more concerned about the soft skills. What do we mean by soft skills? Well, it's the ability to work in teams. It's the ability to communicate. Mm. It's the ability to bounce back from some adversity. Well, one of the things that experiential learning allows young people to, to understand is these so-called soft skills. There's a very good place to learn what they are and how to get better at them is, in fact, to be embedded in a workplace. It's, it's hard for the classroom uh, to, uh, to simulate those experiences. Are you, worried, are you worried that you'll get uh, a lot of parents that say, I want my kid placed in a doctor or a lawyer's office? Well, again, it's going to be up to local um, um, councils, uh, partnership uh, councils, industry education um, uh, councils to decide how uh, they're going to proceed, what specific um, opportunities are going to be identified, and how they're going to be connected to uh, to uh, to uh, potential students. Uh, and I, I will repeat that uh, the quality of these placements matters. Uh, we, we've been told, and I personally have seen that myself, that uh, you're not uh, going to meet with as much success if you think you can just get some bright young woman who's in grade 11 in a Hamilton area high school and just ask that person to, to do something menial. That person's got to have some real sense that they, that experience is, uh, meets uh, a certain kind of standard, and, and that is going to be uh, a matter of design. And again, we've, we've got lots of good examples in, in Ontario uh, as to uh, how to do that. Ontario high school students, college and university as well, uh, participating in work co-ops. That is if the Ontario government keeps its promise to implement recommendations from a panel of experts. One of those experts, Sean Conway, former education minister for Ontario. Sean, thank you for the time and insight. Much appreciated. As an old Tiger Cat fan, I'm happy to say that it's always a pleasure to both listen to and join CHML in a, in a conversation.